1: Waste makes haste, for time is fleeting. A rolling stone is worth two in the
2: bush. Go fuck a refrigerator, pecker net! <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this roasting podcast. Oh, and I'm Rich and I'm the other host of this roasting podcast.
2: Think of me as SpongeBob to Dave's Patrick. He's pink and
1: squishy and my pants are square. <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Uh, The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests their best ever sequel, their worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel.
2: And of course, we often drift off and just have chats about life and movies in general.
1: And we do have to mention, we do drop spoilers. So if we mention a film you don't want us to spoil, go off, clean your glasses, you know they're filthy, come back and we'll get back to it. Because on today's episode, we are joined by Chris Skull.
2: Chris is a brilliant podcaster. You might know him from the 90s football podcast Quickly Kevin that he presents with Josh Um or if you're a West Ham fan you might know him from doing the half time stuff at West Ham um, but he's also the co-founder of Another Slice a part of the thing that me and Dave are signed up to with this podcast to give you
1: extra bits of content That's very true yeah because uh, we're very excited to sit down with Chris and chat all things sequels with him
2: These are Chris Skulls unequal sequels enjoy
1: do you remember the first sequel you got excited about
0: oh yeah terminator 2 isn't (laughs) it well do you know i wasn't home alone 2 or 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 terminator 2 for sure but i wasn't excited about like no no one was and eagerly i don't feel like anyone was eagerly anticipating the sequel to terminator because i actually watched terminator 2 before i watched terminator 1 yeah me too and uh, yeah. Terminator 2 is obviously just brilliant. But Home Alone 2, I, re- I vividly remember. Like, I, I remember being really excited about it. And my mum had just been to New York uh, the Christmas it was out. So that was like, <sighs> oh, wow, you've actually been to where it's going to be. And when it came out. And, like, Home Alone 2 as well. It's such a good film. It's so good. It's so f- I watch it every Christmas. That and Muppets Christmas Carol. You're right. How old were you there? Was was 93. I was probably 10 years old. So I think that's the perfect age to consume Home Alone. Home 2. Alone.
1: At that point, did you dream about being Home Alone, left in New York? No, that's it's
0: absolutely terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> think, when you watch it, when you watch it back, it's actually really Home Alone and Home Alone Two are quite frightening films. Mm. The jeopardy in it, when you really think about it, is absolutely terrifying. And it's it's weird when you watch it back in that kind of pre-internet age and you just go wow, you've really probably got no way of communicating. Although, do they ring the home phone? Are they trying to ring the home phone they cut the line? Yeah, yeah. Oh, why don't cut they the, the line. Yeah, yeah. something to thought, have we just discovered a massive
1: plot flaw? No. <laughs> well, the first, in the first one, they try to ring the house, the police do, and he hides under the bed. Oh, the We're police
2: right. go round, don't they? Yeah, they don't try very hard, though, do they? They just, like, <laughs> knock on the door once and then go away. Like, you know, it's
0: like... <laughs> Don't. Go, sod this, yeah yeah, so, we're just knocking the door <laughs> He's not there. we've done our job.
1: <laughs> would you say home alone two is better than home alone one?
0: I think it I think it's one of those cases of a sequel being better than the original yes, Chris, well I think the um the ingredients you look I was thinking about this, like the ingredients you look for in a sequel is that you want you want the more of the same, but better mm. you want all the same you I think you want a lot of the same beats, but you want real character development, more jeopardy. Bigger bangs, more explosions. and have never Donald got Trump. into the yeah, Donald <laughs> Trump. We're actually my wife um, was talking about like going to New York. For, well, I've been trying to get her to go to New York, New York for Christmas, and I was saying like, should we have a look at the Plaza? Should we do you want to stay in the Plaza? <laughs> like, what's the Plaza? So it's like the number one Christmas hotel in the world. And then like you look at it and you're like, it doesn't actually look that festive in real life. Oh,
1: well, don't ruin it. I always yeah. wanted to stay there and have the fridge with the cookies inside.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That would have
1: been magical and just order loads of ice cream.
2: Yeah. My little yeah. boy has been on about going to New York. He's like, can we stay in that hotel? I was like, no, it's a thousand pounds a night. <laughs> it's a thousand pounds a night. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Don't they have I've got one room this. that's like 300 pounds a night. That is like a cupboard.
1: <laughs> I love that you've checked. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was the one I had earmarked.
1: <laughs> Brilliant! <laughs> what a romantic trip that will be. <laughs> yeah, 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 but Donald
0: Trump once walked these halls and bumped into Kevin McAllister. You don't understand. <laughs>
1: what well, what what do you think made it a better sequel? Is it is it Tim Curry?
0: Yeah, let, let's let's go let's go through it. I think it, it, straight away the the fact the family are in Paris and not Miami. It feels bigger. That, mm. that feels like it's got a bigger budget. The fact yeah. there's more shit. Like the parents have got no way of getting back. The fact he's gone to New York, so he's not even got the kind of home comforts. It's a great. It's great that with Home Alone Two that you don't really notice the plot device of oh, your auntie and uncle live in New York, but they're renovating, so they're not in. So there's an empty house there, and mm. and when they get there, you know, it's there's holes through the floor. There's like straight away. There's a lot of kind of. There's jeopardy within that situation. And new York is fundamentally a scarier place. I think the great character some of the introductions, to the new character, the Bird Woman plays the version of the scary older neighbour. Yeah. The Bird Woman is, like lives a wonderful kind of bohemian life, and actually, oh, you're quite scared of her. That's a lovely little narrative arc in there, and that actually she lives above this kind of orchestra, oh, so she hears yeah. these wonderful symphonies every night, and Kevin kind of gets, sees a bit of her world. And then the Wet Bandit, oh, the Wet Bandit's escaping is just a wonderful bit of this there's so much of it because it feels so much bigger budget and so many aspects of it that come together, like the toy store and the and the guy who runs the toy store mr duncan mr duncan (laughs) and the uh the was it the little dove she gives him the little doves and and then of course when the whole thing about the home alone film is it builds to this climax where kevin has to take on take on the wet bandits in the house and i think the bit the way they kind of reference the first film like the pain buckets coming down and oh no you got me there and then it's like the huge bollard <laughs> yeah that actually takes them out and uh yeah the holes in the floor Like, there's so many beats in that whole thing they're just so good and then with it with it all ending with the fireworks in central park it's, like, it's perfectly cinematic so much more jeopardy so much more interesting character development that i think that that's that's what makes it a better sequel how can, you not, how yeah, can, you, how can not you not love it yeah how can you not love it and it's festive and it's one of those the great thing about I love I probably love Christmas films and I love Christmas stuff more than anything else like I think Christmas Carol is probably my favourite story ever Charles Dickens and the Muppets Christmas Carol is the best interpretation of that and Home Alone the Home Alone series being based at Christmas these are things I return to every year like I'll always I went through about five years of watching A Wonderful Life and then I got really bored of it but there's there's certain things like Christmas I think is just a wonderful moment to watch the same films again and again definitely yeah And the fact that Home Alone 2 is a Christmas movie means, I think, it's always going to have a a place in the world's heart. Absolutely.
1: When you were younger, did you look around the house and think, that could be a trap? (laughs) (laughs) Because my my dad was a builder, so there was always drills around. I was like, oh, I wonder what I could do with that. Dave, you absolute psychopath. Who would would do that? Well, just in case I was Home Alone. (laughs) How
0: do you think you would have fared? I feel like a, uh, I don't think not very well, Chris. Even now. Even now if a burglar broke di- broke in, like I don't know what I'd do. I'd Have you got a, like a golf club them.
1: next to the bed or something? <laughs> no,
0: nothing. No, I've uh, got, like not even pepper spray, nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> not even, not, even the paint cans are in the basement, so I wouldn't be able to get to them in time to chuck them at <laughs> I think if I'd a burglar if broke Trump's.
2: in these days, I'd probably yeah. sleep through it knowing me. Like, Say <laughs> <laughs> you what you want. Not the T V. <laughs> yeah, not the TV. <laughs> I have actually yeah. been burgled when I was asleep upstairs, and not woken yeah, up. Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. really? really? Yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, you so you should have laid traps. Should have. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, they used my housemate's duvet cover to like put all the stuff in, like a massive Santa sack. <laughs> <laughs> was <laughs> it at <laughs> Christmas? No, it wasn't. It was. Oh, we'd, we'd only um, moved in like two. We'd been in the house like two days. We hadn't even properly unpacked. Oh, Must been really easy to abs- nick stuff because it's all packed up for them where was oh, it yeah, was yeah. This... I was in Cheltenham ah, yeah. oh,
0: that is absolutely terrifying yeah it must have been Posh Burgers uh, <laughs> no, yeah you're no Kevin McAllister he no definitely with that. not no definitely not <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard well speaking of like sequels have you ever heard that someone there was a tweet that went around uh, I think it was last Christmas talking about like what a, what a sequel still involving Macaulay Colkin could look like at Home Alone like he could he could be kind of left alone while the family go away for Christmas and then the Wet Bandit's trying to, but, you know, have him be an adult yeah. and then the Wet bandits kind of come back or have his kids be, be left at the home alone Although mm. well, I yeah. don't know if I just if
2: you're an adult though it's just kind of attempted murder though isn't it?
0: Like, <laughs>
1: <it's> not... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Those people would have brain damage by now. Yeah, <laughs> bricks enough. to the head. They got. Do you
0: remember as well like when you watch Home Alone? Back It's like is shock- The level of violence is shocking. Yeah, and actually, especially the... for kids. Yeah, how many they get away with it? Because it's cartoon like, I think, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's cartoon like, isn't it? Like, uh I think my favourite bit in that of the two films is when, um the taller wet bandit, whose name, I can't remember. Marv. Marv, Marv, that's it. Of Marv, what a great name. When he's getting electrocuted and you see his hair gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then at the, the peak of his scream, he just briefly turns into
1: a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> and it seemed, I think that is probably the greatest moment in cinematic history. Yeah, I think he's brilliant in that film. Daniel Stein, I think his name is. My favourite bit is when the bricks are getting his hit his head and he's going, Howie, <laughs> Howie. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Marv, you know, he really Marv actually steals steals the show mm, in both of those. Absolutely does. Yeah. And I remember uh, I wanted to see more of it. like Marv was the lead in a film I saw a trailer for and I remember going to my local video shop going, Can I watch this film? And it was like, obviously this, this is a tiny budget film that he's been in the lead for like the video shop didn't even have it. But oh. he should have gone on to, he should have gone on to really great things. Yeah. He's by far the best thing about that film, I think. Better yeah. than Macaulay Colkin.
1: Yeah. Yeah, both definitely. didn't have a career afterwards. To be honest, <laughs>
0: yeah. isn't it weird when you see Macaulay Culkin? Now you see him, you're like, that's not right.
1: Mm.
0: It's like one of those. It's like one of those kind of those, those weird kind of things you look at that your eye can't really understand. Like those stairs that just go around that look like they're always going up, but in a circle. Yeah, and like that's how I feel when I look at Macaulay Culkin. Like I just can't really
1: compute that you're that old. <laughs> how old is he now? Is I think he- the same age as me? Like. Early 40s. Okay, so you're a prime Home Alone age, Rich. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Nice. And uh, if
0: you Google um, Macaulay Culkin West Ham, you'll see that sometimes he walks around with a West Ham shirt on. Like, like
1: and a 90s one. Oh, right, okay. Mate, you should get him on your podcast, because that is... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it all fitting together there? It's all coming together. It's all coming. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but... What is your best ever sequel? Where do we land on this one? I think... Um, I've gone with Robocop 2. I think
0: of all the films I've watched the most, I've definitely, as I've gone for basically all the pics of th- things I've watched the most, I've definitely yeah. watched Robocop more than any other film. But, and Robocop, the first one, hyper violent. Actually, the story of this is like, I can't remember. Robocop felt like a thing that was marketed to kids. So, I'm yeah, like, I was like 10 years old at the time. I definitely had a Robocop action figure before I'd seen Robocop. I was really into the idea of Robocop. And I remember being at a service station with my mum's sister, my aunt and my godmother. And there was like a Robocop and I was like, Oh, I haven't seen Robocop. And she went, Oh, I'll get it for you. It was on VHS, like in a service station. That's gonna and be a And obviously it's got price. a whopping, whopping Great 18 certificate on it. <laughs> And uh, she bought it for me, brought it home. I took it in and I was like, I remember going to my mom, like, I, I knew this was like, I shouldn't be allowed this. Mm. And I remember saying, I, I remember saying to my mom, no, I've got RoboCop. And she like, didn't really pay any attention. And then I went off to my room and watched it. And holy cow, Like I said, I was like <laughs> 10 years old, people doing cocaine, the blood, like the guts, the shot. The, I mean, it, it's so hyper violent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, that it took into like watching it for years and years and growing up that you eventually begin to understand what it is you're watching and the references, and that is intentionally hyper-violent. But the violence of RoboCop, I think, is, uh, is superseded by it, the violence of RoboCop 2. And I remember seeing Robo Again, I probably saw RoboCop 2 when I was like 13, something like that, and it just kind of blew me away. It did everything that the first film did, but like, as we just discussed with like Home Alone 2... It was even more extreme. Mm-hmm. Like, I still think about that vivisection scene. There's a the, the there's a corrupt cop Duffy l- later in the scene who is kind of betrayed by the bad guys, and he is cut open like vivisected, and you actually see the scalpel going in, and uh, and this is done in front of the main the, one of the main baddies is a, a child. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like so much of this is like absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. um and it just really it's like so much of it is shocking and, and memorable and i think it did uh and also the way that kind of robocop des- gets destroyed gets his hand shot off um and, and the storyline with Mur- murphy's wife petitioning ocp is so much more kind of heart-rending and and violent and interesting i think it tells a, a better story robocop 2
2: man yeah. yeah
0: yeah i mean i've I... I watched
2: it at like 8 o'clock in the morning, which is a weird time to watch Robocop 2. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen it? Had you ever seen it before? I had seen it before, but probably a probably sort of similar age to you, about 11 mm-hmm. or 12 kind of, kind of age. I remember watching Robocop um, with like a babysitter, like my mother, my mother had gone out and left us with a babysitter, and they'd let us. What well, they'd put RoboCop on, and we're like, it's like like eight or nine years old, and God, I don't think I'm old enough for this. <laughs> what? <laughs> but loving it all the same. And then yeah, RoboCop yeah. too. I definitely seen, but not for a long time. Um, yeah. Did it stand up? Yeah, yeah. sort of. But I, th- I find it kind of weird that they're still using the stop motion animation in the same year yeah. that Terminator Two <laughs> re- is released with, like, a liquid metal like robot. Like, but yeah,
1: but that's <laughs> Phil Tippett like animation.
2: Yeah, I know, I get it, like, I understand, but it just it just feels like it's a ten year it's ten years older than Terminator Two in my it, you know that's what it feels like in my head. Um but yeah, it's still
0: it's still great. <laughs> Specifically, Ed two hundred and nine. Yeah, is yeah, like and the and the the most comedic baddie I think <laughs> of it, that's ever existed.
2: The baddie in uh, RoboCop two is like <laughs> like a it's like nightmare fuel.
1: Like <laughs> it's like <laughs> that wasn't yeah. a good idea on their behalf, though. Yeah. like as a plot, we're going to put a psychopath in into a, a machine that can kill everyone. <laughs> It, yeah, I don't understand how they thought that was a good idea. Like, oh, we can you can't control it. It's... <laughs> yeah, because Kane is the main, but he's the main
0: bad guy, mm. right? Like, what this is the thing about OCP and Dick Jones. They are making some of the most insane decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, putting the main, but like also that the, now I think about it, the scene early on with OCP. They're like, I don't know why. The thing about OCP is like. They're always trying to get something better than RoboCop when RoboCop is doing like a great job. So you come like Ed Two Hundred Nine in the first film that absolutely kills everyone, and in, the, and in the second one, they're getting a, what seemed like a, a string of uh, kind of legally dead police. Officers. They think don't they arrive that the problem with RoboCop was that he wasn't quite dead, and they need someone whose brain is completely dead in order to be able to, be able to make a better RoboCop. I mean, yeah. not that RoboCop's that bad. I think he's doing a, a great job. So <laughs> they go. There's a sequence where they. They, they get legally dead police officers, put them in these prototypes and one after another, these new Robocops just start killing themselves that's again dark, and again. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God. Like the philosophical implications <laughs> of that. Like, like the, and that's the great thing about Robocop that I think is really overlooked a lot of the time is that he's making these deep, social philosophical points throughout throughout like um mm. uh, but, but both writing it and the directors in both films are making quite astounding interesting points uh in both films and that's kind of buried in this scene where you just like the, these people don't want to live as machines <laughs>
1: it's really interesting it is there some ethics in there you think uh quite about what i don't think you thought about that when you were 13 though <laughs> no i did no. I thought well, this, i did when i, when I cool. was third <laughs> um the, the baddie, the things I remember thinking
0: about when I was 13 were, like, the fact that Kane, the main baddie, had a nose ring. And then I remember, like, <laughs> if ever I saw someone with a nose ring, I'd be like, that person is dangerous. <laughs> like a man with a nose ring. Jay from like, Five. Even now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jay from Five was an, a really terrifying guy. Yeah. The most dangerous one in Five.
1: Well, he was the bad boy. <laughs> Has it aged well? Do you think?
0: Well, I watched it again, and the um, the you know, so the 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 bad, the bad gang centers around like all, they there seem to be drug lords, yeah. and the big designer drug is new. So eighties, and that, that is name. that is really eighties. I'd like it doesn't make much sense. The drug <laughs> the, way, the way they administer the drug is that it's in there's like little needles with like little sachets, and they, yeah. they do it straight into the neck. But then there's no appreciable kind of effect to the drug. Like, it's not clear why anyone's actually doing it. They just kind of go, ugh, like it's a paracetamol or something like that. And, like, I think that that is still immersed and, like, a mystery.
2: Yeah, like later on they've got different, like, coloured water for the, for the drug. And it's like, this yeah. one will do something else. And this one will be, like, the, this is an upper and this one's a downer and all these different, like, <laughs> versions of it. well yeah but what why (laughs) what do they do (laughs) yeah (laughs) they say it's the most addictive substance known to man but what's the what's the benefit what's the upside
1: (laughs) also also, what is the storyline robot like so the 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 corporation are trying to defund the city and the mayor's getting angry by the way the mayor goes big in this film (laughs) he's brilliant yeah To, but are they putting nuke on the street, or is nuke separate to the corporation's it's plan? Separate, is it? Isn't it? I don't know. It's, it's separate,
0: but there seems okay. to be there's some. I think that what they're saying is there is some sort of corruption there, isn't it? Because like in the first film, yes. OCP, OCP, and uh, the baddies are kind of in league together, mm. and that actually there's the implication that the baddies and OCP are kind of. Aligned to some extent in the second film, mm. but that OCP are tr- for a capitalist interest are trying to bankrupt the city in order that they have more power and kind
2: yeah, of own the want police. To take it, over I I the, the... Yeah, like take over the city essentially, don't they? They want to yeah. Yeah, and build yeah.
1: more buildings, like nicer. I, don't I mean, it's not a bad idea. Detroit yeah. looks horrible. Well, it's
2: like this idea <laughs> that people have got now of like corporately run cities basically that don't have any, yeah.
0: the, the, the laws are set by corporations rather than. And that's the interesting thing is that, well, I mean, so much of this is prescient because a lot of those points they're making are about American you know, capitalism and like corporations taking over, like Google and, like Detroit going bust is something that actually happens yeah. that is kind of predicted by this film. And also cor- the, the role of corpora- corporations in kind of influencing society now, now we've got Google and Apple who uh, make more money than s- some nations a lot of the kind of the themes of this film have actually been proven to be interestingly kind of true. Hmm. I mean, to how much they 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 knew that and were just making a, a, hot, like a horrific, <laughs> ultra <ultra-violent laughs> film. I don't know.
1: Have you ever watched Robocop Three? Is is have you gone down that road? I think I did. I think I've watched it once when i was a kid and isn't it the is
0: it it's quite kid friendly the third one isn't it put,
1: yeah it's not peter weller uh yeah it's, they put him in a jackpot that i watched i haven't watched the film i don't think i watched the trailer and i was like that's enough <laughs> <laughs> unlike you i i'm not a massive robocop fan i didn't ever think that i was like oh he looks so cool I, his <laughs> movements i was like he's so slow what what, what
0: yeah so what, what it's, is that's um... an interesting point that he is slow yeah he's like just run away. Just run around the corner. <laughs> it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the, you know, the Daleks being like, well, they're actually they're not that agile.
1: Yeah. Like
0: yeah. so, if you're a baddie and RoboCop's are like, she just run around the corner, like run up some stairs, and <laughs> yeah. it, like he's he's going to be an hour from you. Like yeah. it's, it's gonna not take like he runs while.
1: anywhere, is it?
0: He just, no, he, he's, all... like, yeah, he's yeah, he's big like like yeah, not not mo- not particularly mobile. Which is kind of what you would think if you were making a RoboCop, you would imagine him to be quite agile. And it's interesting mm. that the main competitor for Robocop is Ed 209, who's even less mobile, <laughs> frame is like... Yeah, it literally just like topples over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they seem incapable of making any kind of robot that is relatively agile.
1: Yeah, put, put some wheels in him. <laughs>
0: yeah, what, what's wrong with the wheel?
1: Yeah. I did think what was really cool when I was young is how the gun comes out of his, his yeah, leg. I always thought... That was always really cool.
0: Yeah, but the thing I always thought about that is like, well... Is his leg hollow then? Do you know what I mean? Like, is that, that's not a, it's a good point. Like, yeah. Surely, if there's just a hole where a gun, you know, shouldn't he have like a lot of, I don't know, weight in there or, you know?
2: Yeah. I surely that's not great it. if your yeah. leg's hollow. Yeah. That's wow. a good point. All those cars he drives around in must have really reinforced suspension because he
0: must weigh <laughs> about 50 stone. <laughs> and, and the other thing I always thought with Robocop is like, why leave the human fleshy mouth uh, exposed? do you yeah. mean like the whole idea of robocop is that you're gonna you're gonna shoot at him or like what well, what happens if you just shoot his chin and shoot you know <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. i don't understand that because in this bit they cut him open just go for the face straight away yeah cut yeah. That up cut
0: the, yeah why yeah they, 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 and that always happens in like robocop why are they trying to like, angle grind his chest though? like go for the hard bit there's a, there's go a for the head fleshy bit the brain exposed yeah <laughs> just take yeah. his helmet off that that scene where the baddies kind of trying to deconstruct robocop is absolutely horrific like you see from his point of view they're like he's pinned down and they're like yeah got one of those pneumatic drills on his chest like going through yeah. and then they, when they dump him outside the, the precinct and he's just going
1: uh,
0: oh man oh, that's pretty cool. well done
1: rich yeah it's like, yeah, yeah, really well
2: done. done yeah so i was just gonna say it's like nightmare fuel like You know, you're pinned
0: down, and that's your point of view. (laughs) And the oil getting like, like shot out everywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They wouldn't try that now, would they? As in real life, they made a 2016
0: 2016 RoboCop, RoboCop, didn't they? I mean, I meant in real life. Oh, real
1: life. All right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A real life Robo. No, I don't think they'd make a real life. But let's talk about the uh, the remake reboot, whatever it is. Have you watched that, Chris? I did. did watch I watched it once. And uh, it, it was,
0: everyone kind of raved about it, didn't they? But I, I kind of thought it was fine.
1: It's <laughs> right. rubbish. It's really
0: dull. Okay, good, good. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I didn't so. really
1: enjoy it. <laughs> and they made him all black and like they probably made him so he could run, mm. <laughs> but it, it lacked it lacked the the little bit of campness that was in the original RoboCop. Yeah. Those two, the bit of silliness. Yeah, um, the silliness. That,
0: that's and the, the thing. Fun, that, really, it's really kind of although though it is a hyper violent film, it is actually quite silly and. You know, even that bit where um, that that guy who keeps turning up, going, "I'd buy that for a dollar." <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you're like, what the fuck is that bit? Yeah, exactly. Even like, the other bit, he's got bit, one line, uh, he? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I still don't know what that. And also, <laughs> like the, the the board game that's like the nuclear war. And the kids, were sad. yeah, so the adverts are crazy. Oh,
1: the they? adverts are like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're new to each other, like have fun for the family. Um, and, the, and the baseball team that like ransacks the uh, the video shop. Oh, yeah, with the coach. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, the little league team. Yeah, the kids. Wild. I was... mean, the kids are evil in this film.
0: <laughs> it is, uh, and also the bit where, isn't um, in the first film where Bob uh, is slagging off Dick Jones in the toilet. And uh, the other guy stood next to, like, realises that Dick Jones is in the toilet and then just does his trousers up while pissing himself. <laughs> but that bit really sticks, it sticks in my mind, like, running out, like, I'm just going to piss myself because I just need to get out of here. <laughs> It's so, it's so good. And also the, the bit in a Robocop where um one of the baddies gets thrown in the, the waste, the raid, like the nuclear waste, and comes out and his skin's all melted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh. That's the
1: bad guy, isn't
0: it? The bad guy. Yeah, he's like...
1: And he's kind of going, Kill I, me. I used to get... Oh, I still get muddled up between one and two, it seems, until I watched two. I always thought the kid was in the first one for some reason. the nah, kid's really the second like one, it. yeah. Yeah, and it's got red from that 70 shows the bad guy in the first one. And then I used to get the robots modelled up because they do look kind of similar. The bad, the big bad robots from the first and second ones.
0: Yeah, but they're basically the same, aren't they? Like one's got a little face video. That's yeah. kind
1: of the only difference. Yeah, is the white-haired guy from the second one the same as in the first? No, guy? I think it's a different that guy. That is also uh, just another guy that looks like. <laughs> I think it's just Peter <laughs> it's Weller another.
0: and Nancy Allen from the first one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, I don't think he anybody else. He's so that. good. Peter Weller is so good at RoboCop. and I, I remember thinking, like, he's only in these first two films, but I actually had a look at him. Look at his Wikipedia. He's, he's quite a decorated actor. Whereas in my in my mind, he's just pure pure RoboCop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was in the uh, one of the Star Treks recently. Oh, really? Um, there yeah. You go. Yeah. But you
0: don't think the baddies, the baddies across the, the RoboCop one and two? Because I'm not I'm not including three in the canon. Mm. Like Kane and Hobb in the second, and that whole gang in the first, I think Clarence, they're all absolutely terrifying. I oh, think yeah. proper oh, yeah. bad, like violent baddies. like i they scare me more than any baddies in any film I've ever seen. Easy. Yeah, definitely. They're really scary. And the stuff they do is terrifying. Well,
2: it's written by, this one's written by Frank Miller, isn't it? So he did like 300 a, and Sin City. He's a maniac. Yeah, he loves a bit of kind of crazy stuff. But the first one wasn't though, I don't think. I think it was only no. Robocop 2.
1: You guys both got kids. Yeah. What age would you show this? Because it's Oh
0: um, 38. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't think my parents ever realised like I don't think they ever sat with me and watched Robocop. I, I don't know how this flew under the radar. There must be loads yeah. of kids. Like most of it's loads, a toys, uh, isn't it? A whole generation at our age who mm. watched this. Yeah. Because it's not it's not an eighteenth certificate, it is something beyond that. It's the one of the most violent films I think ever ever made. Let's say, like, in terms of kind of popular American films that most people will have seen, it doesn't Mm. get much more violent than this. And also, kind of, yeah, the critiques on corporate power and all that stuff is, it's a really mad, violent film that kids should never have been exposed to. (laughs) Like, to answer your question, no, there's no way my daughter (laughs) was ever watching this before. Like, even 16, 17, I think it's been probably. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I'm gonna go with the classification. It's... 18. <laughs> would you show like Terminator 2 before this one to your kid? Oh I would, definitely. Yeah, I think that so. Terminator Two is a bit softer, isn't it? Yeah. Although there's a few I mean, there's a few bits with the T one thousand with a big pointy dagger
1: finger and you know, when he goes through yeah. the face of the guy and it has <laughs> its it has its moments. But that's a bit more cartoony, like the yeah. the bit where RoboCop cop gets gets shot up in the first one when he's actually a police officer. I just re-watched it on YouTube. It's fucking violent. It is. He gets yeah. his hand
0: blown off and he's like "Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know, do blood's what going found, everywhere. One thing I found having kids is that my radar for what is a scary film is completely off. <laughs> so like the other day uh, I sat down, my, my daughter wanted to watch Aladdin I don't even know how she knew about Aladdin I went down to watch it and Jafar is absolutely terrifying. That big tiger head coming out of the desert in the star, it eats the guy. And this is like five minutes in. And she's like, I don't want to watch this anymore. And then like the red Jafar when he's hypnotising the, the, yeah. the emperor guy. Like my daughter was in bits after like 10 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> Do you know what? I've got this completely wrong. You are way <laughs> too young for this. Swear, that's when I a you, I didn't even, maybe it was what? like, yeah, yeah I, I... It's not particularly. It's not a PG, but it's terrifying. And Aladdin's getting chased with swords and stuff, trying to like chop his legs off in the big opening number, like set one, of the second <laughs> second opening number. It's terrifying. You're like, what? So actually, I'm no jar. I'm no. I shouldn't absolutely not be in charge of deciding who, what ages people can watch films. Is what I've
1: realised. Did you get a telling off from the missus? Uh,
0: she did. Yeah, I did get a telling off. Like, because she was, my daughter was my daughter's three. She was absolutely petrified. <laughs> It's like, what, it's just, what are you doing, Leonard? watch this? <laughs> I just thought anything on the Disney section of Disney Plus is a yeah. kind of safe space. Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. I wouldn't have imagined. And especially the cartoon, that golden kind of generation of cartoons, I would never have imagined that.
1: But the whole thing is terrifying. What has been the most disappointing sequel? So it's not a, it doesn't have to be a bad sequel, but one when you went in hyped and it turned out not to be as good as you hoped it to be.
0: Not as good as I'd hoped it to be.
1: Any point in your life,
0: hmm. it's hard to look past this one I'm about to talk about <laughs> <laughs> because the the disappointment is so entrenched. Yeah, it consumes my whole field of view when it comes to sequels. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we talked about the Matrix movies quite a lot in on this one.
0: Yeah, the Matrix movie, but I well, Terminator
1: Three, I,
0: yeah, Terminator Three. I mean, Home Alone Three, yeah. I, well, no that's not even like I, I don't think i even watched the the entirety of homeland 3 i think you get 10 minutes in and go who the fuck is this kid <laughs> and you stop watching yeah yeah it's
1: amazing how bad i don't want to be horrible to children but when they can't act it truly ruins a film right yeah uh, is that bad oh yeah, for yeah 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 no <laughs> no my
0: wife is my wife is a theater producer so um we we're always considered like 90% of our chats when watching anything is, well, they're not a very good actor. Like, <laughs> like it's all... But Home Alone 3 is a, an especially bad example of that. Where you're like, well, how have they cast this guy? Like, surely not. Speaking of which, like, uh, one thing my wife showed me the other day was uh, <clears throat> the kid in E.T. Have you seen his audition tape? It's, uh,
1: it's, it's amazing.
0: On YouTube. Yeah, oh, my God. Amazing. Like, oh, it's incredible. It's so good that... um, So he's acting a scene where... They're taking, the, the authorities are taking E.T. away from him. And the kid is like, he's acting, it's an amazing piece of like, it's obviously just an audition tape, but Steven Spielberg ends it like, this performance is so good. Spielberg's just like, you got the job, kid. Like the end of the day. Like,
1: it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, he just cries on like on call. Like Spielberg's telling him what's happening. Yeah. And then you can just see this kid's face changing like this is, you can see why he got the it job. It sort of worries me when a kid can do that. I'm like... Are
2: yeah. are you going to be a psychopath?
0: Like <laughs> <laughs>
2: that much control over your emotion? That good a liar? Know. Essentially,
0: <laughs> like. <yeah. laughs> I remember um, one one thing. I because obviously my wife works in the dramatic arts. I remember this um, Russell Brand interview with Kelly Brook years ago. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, Russell, Kelly Brooke was talking about Billy Zane, who she was going out with at the time. And she was saying, Billy Zane is just like, he's such a good actor. He's so good. He's so good at his profession. And Russell Brown said, What do you mean he's good? Like, he's good at pretending stuff is happening when it's not. That's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always say, like, when my wife says, Oh, that's so, like, Mark Rylance is a great actor. I'm like, What do you mean he's good at pretending stuff is happening when it's not? That's what, that's basically what you're saying. Yeah. That's it. He is good at that though. Mark, right? <laughs> oh he yeah, like it to be fair, I think he's incredible. Like Wolf Hall. Yeah. I mean, that's the sweet sequel I'm looking forward to, Bring Up the Bodies. We've been waiting for that for so long. Wolf Hall is incredible. Mm. And so actually, in terms of the sequels, I'm eagerly anticipating Bring Up the Bodies is I don't know if you've seen Have you seen? I've Wolf seen Wolf Hall? Wolf Hall, yeah, it's mm. great. Oh, Dave. Cancel your plans for the rest of the day. It's <laughs> okay. It's incredible. And the, the interesting thing I, I read about it was that um, which is something I've always wondered. Which is the, obviously it's set around the time of um, Henry the Henry Eighth. It's Thomas Cromwell. He's kind of the story of his kind of chief advisor. Which is like fifteen hundreds. Oh, I, I think, don't think so. that yeah, like about, that. That. about that. But so I've always wondered. Like the director made the decision that it would be sh- there would be no artificial lighting. It would be shot completely natural light. So if it's, if if it's nighttime, it's candlelit, yeah. and if it's daytime, it's the actual light. So you get a real sense of what it would have been like in the 15th century what how these things were lit how henry the kind of spent his evenings how thomas cromwell like you know it's it so atmospheric for that reason and it's got some amazing actors in it obviously yeah. you know, our boy rylan's being the, the top dog yeah it's really really good. i've
1: written it down on the list so i will watch it at some point but that yeah. list is very big now yeah. What is your worst ever sequel? This is my worst
0: ever sequel by such a long margin that, like, actually going back and, and, re- and kind of rewatching a bit of this and kind of researching it brought back all the anger I felt at the time. And my, my worst ever sequel is Jurassic Park 2 The Lost World, which actually was a box office hit. And it was a box office hit because the first film is absolutely incredible i think it's a generation defining film i think the fact we still have a franchise that every now and again spins out new films is testament to the fact this first film is absolutely incredible i remember being in primary school and we would there would be conversations around how many times you've been to the cinema to see jurassic park like competitions like i've been three or four times there's been nothing like jurassic park it was kind of like looking back with an adult's eye it's kind of like what spielberg was doing with jaws where there's this big kind of there's a beast out there and the fact that it's hidden from view for a lot of the film but when it makes its entrance it is like oh my god and yeah. the special effects applied i mean it's it's easy to forget that the special effects in jurassic park like we hadn't really seen anything like that i certainly hadn't when when it, when we when you watch jurassic park and the dinosaurs you're like this is absolutely mind-blowing and the terror mm. the storyline the characters the kind of expanse of Jurassic Park. It felt like the device they use of kind of going around the park. Uh, so you feel like you you were someone who's been, you know, you're going to Jurassic Park yourself. You're going on this ride and you're you're you kind of, you're not witnessing these characters. It feels like you're there yourself. You're kind of along for the ride. So the anticipation that came when Jurassic, there's going to be a sequel to Jurassic Park, and it's going to be, it's going to got the Lost World. The anticipation, I think that's why it broke, broke a little, well. It did really well in terms of box office. It's, it's absolutely not a, a failure from a box office point of view. The excitement around it is testament to the, how good that first film is. But then you mm-hmm. sit down and you watch you watch Jurassic Park two, and you're just, what the fuck is this? Like straight straight away like the things that annoyed me about it in like chrono- chronological order, why are they going like Michael Crichton actually wrote, he he wrote the book. I think, I think in terms of like the, the way the story came together, there was a lot of pressure on Michael Crichton to write uh, the sequel because they knew they wanted to make a film. So what, but what I don't understand is why not go back to the original Island? Why are you going to a this brand new Island? that is so obviously an invention because you see on the first film, like the idea of this second Island is, it's a place where they grow the dinosaurs before they bring them to Jurassic Park. Mm. But you see in the first film, the eggs hatching. Yeah. They're growing the they're growing the dinosaurs on Island Nebula, the first one. Why do they need to take them to the second island? It's like, I just don't buy this. And it just feels like, because you want to go back to Jurassic Park. It's really annoying. So straight away you're going, oh, well, this is complete New Island. The other thing that really annoyed me about the f- the opening moments of the film is Kind of like you get a uh, doctor, Doctor Hammond. I don't really understand this. Doctor Hammond wants someone to go back to this island where the dinosaurs are grown, and kind of inspect the work there and just kind of you know, observe. Why are you picking Jeff Goldblum like Ian Malcolm? Of all the characters from <laughs> the first film, why, why have you picked Ian Malcolm? It doesn't make any sense. And in the book as well, the first book, Ian Malcolm is basically killed off. He spends the in the book he spends. The first book, dying, and then at the end you're told he's dead, and then but the film's slightly different in that Ian Malcolm kind of survives. Hmm. But then in the book, Michael Crichton actually does he does this in the second book, like he goes, oh, actually Ian Malcolm did survive that. Oh, they'd written him off, but he didn't actually die. But Ian Malcolm is kind of like I'd say he's the most annoying character in, Jurassic, in the first Jurassic Park. <sighs> And I and I'm not sure <laughs> Jeff Goldblum is not a leading man. I love Jeff Goldblum. I've watched him at Glastonbury on the jazz stage plenty of times. That's a, <laughs> but he's not a leading man. He can't carry. He can't carry a film on, on his own. And so why? And, and also it doesn't make sense. He's like a chaos mathematician. Why? Why are you sending him there? And then there's once he goes there, there's a bunch of exposition. Once he gets there, that which is that. Oh, he's actually. His girlfriend now, like, in the first film, we kind of knew nothing about dinosaurs that much, and he was kind of a bit of a flirt, trying to shag everyone. And then by the second film, he's like, oh, well, actually, now he's going out of, like, a dinosaur expert. And, oh, and she's already on the island he's going to. Uh, and, oh, and by the way, his daughter's also there because she stowed away and no one realised. Like, what the fuck is this storyline? Why have you got the most boring, go- like, the most... For me, the least interesting character from the first book, who has no good reason to go back to a dinosaur island, and then there's a bunch of exposition that basically his whole family's there now. All of a sudden, like, so what the fuck is this What the fuck is this? Are you with me so far? I keep, I keep going. Yeah, yeah. It's glorious.
2: <laughs> totally with you. I mean, I I don't agree with everything, but <laughs> I'm <not> with you. <laughs> so then the
0: film start. Like, Pete Postlethwaite is actually quite good in it. But then the, the kind of film starts, and you know, obviously. There's this whole in-gen, this whole nefarious thing where they're there to kind of investigate, but it turns out they're not there to investigate. They're there to kind of kidnap the dinosaurs and bring them back. Yeah. Which is fucking insane. Like, after everything we learned from the first book, like, the other thing is that, isn't it like in-gen, the company behind Jurassic Park is on the verge of going bust. How the fuck they haven't gone bust after the failure of a theme park that killed a bunch of people, yeah. basically had to be completely written off. Like, I can't think of a worse corporate disaster than what happens in Jurassic Park. The fact that InGen are still surviving and how there hasn't been a huge inquest into this business. The fact that they're barely surviving and the kind of the Hail Mary pass for InGen to survive is go back and grab some more dinosaurs and bring them back. We'll turn it into a theme park. That idea is more fucking mad than the first idea in Jurassic Park. <laughs> we'll have a theme park in San Diego
2: <laughs> yeah. because
0: that that sounds safe. <laughs> like, I mean, how many mad ideas have we already touched on? So they send they send them there, and again, the thing in the first film, you've got that that hunter character, a uh, clever girl, It's yeah, kind yeah. of like. The one you're meant to be putting your trust in, we're like, well, we'll be okay as long as he's there. But you've already kind of, you've blown that because it's like, well, you, these, these game hunters are actually no good when it comes to dinosaur. But the idea that in the second film, there's like, oh, actually, we've got Pete right now, and these guys, these guys actually do know what they're doing. The idea that they could bring a T-Rex back, like, successfully, is absolutely insane. Like, it's, a, it's just an idea. So anyway, they're there trying to do that. And then basically you've got a lot of the same beat. You've got a lot of the same beats. There's a lot, you know, the dinosaurs are after him. Some of them are getting eaten. But you've got just mad bits that don't really make sense. Like his daughter being into gymnastics. The scene where the velociraptor is kind of about to eat Ian Malcolm. And his daughter, in in the first practical application of gymnastics in the history of humanity spins around a pole and basically kicks a Velociraptor and it runs away and they all escape it's like, a good
2: job she was like doing parallel bars and not like rhythmic gymnastics <laughs> wouldn't it <She'd> dance around <laughs> with the ribbon
0: <laughs> oh that could yeah. could have done that with a flare in the first one maybe
2: <laughs> maybe <But> like, <laughs>
0: it's kicking the dinosaur the, the, the next big problem I get so anyway we're meant to believe they eventually get a dinosaur on the boat and back to the San, they get the T-Rex back on the boat to San Diego and then you see the boat crash into the dock in San Diego. And you're like, why, why is the, the, the boat crashed? Because the T Rex has basically eaten everyone on the, on the ship. How did that T Rex eat everybody on the boat? It's massive. It, can be, it can't leave the dock area. It's, in. it's huge. So, so, what happened there? The, the, the people on the boat were just walking in, checking on the T Rex, and it was eating them one by one. <laughs> like I
1: can, I can tell you there was a deleted scene that there was also a raptor. On oh, the boat, apparently.
0: Oh. Oh right,
1: well, you sense. you don't know that watching the film because I've many years I was like why is there a, just a uh, a bitten arm in that little cabin that yeah. no one's touched? How does the T Rex get in that little cabin and destroy the guy that was driving the yeah. boat? Apparently there was a Raptor that you don't see, don't know. So Cara, oh, but okay. yes, that's also why it's stupid.
0: <laughs> but yeah. Well, okay, that make, that makes sense, but it's a deleted scene, so it's not within the cabin. Yeah, It's, of the like, film. it's not mentioned, so it, it doesn't make any sense. Agreed. And then the the, the kind of the scene that really bugs me is like when the t-rex is i mean it's called cool, like it's in one hat on one hand i mean it's it's so shit in a way because the whole idea of the t-rex is like it's they're on this tropical island and there's something dangerous about it being like you know the danger of this, this dinosaur on these islands it feels quite alien like the the environment is quite alien yeah you get an alien walking through san diego but you're just like this feels just fucking cheap and shit like why have you gone down the like the t-rex has escaped is walking around a neighborhood and then there's that scene where it's like the kids are like there's a dinosaur outside my window, and the parents are just like, "Don't be silly!" <gasps> oh my god, there is a dinosaur at the window. Like that scene really fucks. Me. I don't, I can't even. I don't know why. I I can't put my finger on it. But it's so against it feels the spirit of Jurassic Park to have a stupid shit cheesy 1950s sitcom scene where you know the dad's like, "Oh, there is. Oh, there is a dinosaur." Ah, you know. It's just like it's almost slapstick. Yeah. And it, and again it's just one it's another one of those like you don't need light you don't need light relief here. I don't know why Spielberg's done it, but it just speaks to the fact the film is so clunky and shit and just doesn't know what it is and like it's just it's just throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and just seeing what sticks.
2: Mm. And this is the whole reason that Spielberg doesn't do sequels anymore, right?
0: He's, yeah. He's... It's, it's, so I was just reading. It's interesting because it, he even said I was reading the Wikipedia for it earlier. and it, He even says it's shit because <laughs> yeah. he says he goes. What's it? He said he like it goes into every sequel too confident. I've made a gazillion dollars, which justifies the sequel. Yeah, and he yeah. comes in like it's going to be a slam dunk, and it's always inferior to what I've done before. And he says, "I'm talking about Lost World." But isn't it interesting yeah. that I mean? It, so it just really fucked me off, and yeah, like I, I, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> And actually, I've kind of I love Jurassic Park, but even the, the rest of the films, I don't know. I haven't really I've, I've flipped them on, and they're not that good. Yeah. And it, it's hard to do. I appreciate because the first film is so seminal, but Lost World is especially shit for a bunch of stupid own goals that aren't necessary. Like Ian Malcolm being the lead, like being, Jeff Goldblum being the lead, and a, and a plot that doesn't make any sense at about ten different junctions, and the fact that they're not on the same island. And it's just i hate it when people make a sequel and they're like there's only about 10 percent of the cast of the original mm-hmm. and it's not in really it's not in the same kind of place yeah it it's so like the fact it was a box office smash i think speaks to the fact that they could have done almost anything and it would have been
1: well it, it was a smash because we had kids like us who were <laughs> yeah. literally probably going in dressed to tone yeah yeah in jurassic park yeah. stuff like i had jurassic park everything uh and then you go and see it, probably like dragging your parents. Going, we have to see this movie. There's dinosaurs again, <laughs> and then yeah, it's it's a, a crushing disappointment, let down all of the above. Uh, the only good bit for me is the the bit on the in the, the they're getting attacked in their their coach thing and the glass cracks. That's the only. Oh good bit. yeah, and like and when says, they fall down
0: oh, yeah. and it kind of goes up the cliff.
1: That's good. That's that's a lot of Spielberg tropes in that bit. But the bit when the dinosaur gets in, on land and they just drop. Pete Pothaway, you're like, where's where's Pete? <laughs> Why is he not hunting the thing he wanted the most? Where's where's this gun? Yeah, it feels kind of like two different films in a place. It doesn't, yeah, it really mesh does. together very nicely. And you like all the cast don't have any chemistry.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. that's true. But then you look at you look at the cast and you think, oh, Jeff Goldblum, yeah, great. Uh, Julianne Moore, brilliant. Pete Pothaway, this is getting, yeah. you know, these are good actors. Vince Vaughn, oh. <laughs> it was the start oh. of his career, wasn't it? Yeah. But they've also got, like, they've got, like, um, uh, Richard Schiff from the West Wing, who's, like, supposed to be some sort of, like, mercenary big game hunter as well. And you're like,
0: yeah. no, no, he's Toby I, I, I in the West I think, Wing. <laughs> no. I don't think Julianne Moore's good in this. Like, I, there's something about Julianne Moore in this film that I'm just like, I don't, buy, I don't buy her relationship with Ian Malcolm. I don't get, I don't believe them as a couple. No, And also, I think, she looks too similar to uh the girl in the first film.
1: Laura yes. Dern.
0: Yeah, she looks too much like Laura Dern. Do you know okay. what I think? It's like it's actually one's blonde, one's ginger. Yeah. <laughs> they look quite similar. And that annoys me. Because it's like, are you trying to pull a fast one here and just like recast? You're trying to do like a George
1: McFly style recasting. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like everyone else said no but Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. And then Went, I don't know oh, if that's I what happened ha- that's watch. what happened because the book is basically the book isn't it Yeah, like, yeah. It's, well, is it so, I've
0: never
2: read the book yeah. so It's the book's basically the film the book's, you know it's quite close I think um I've not read the book either but I've kind of I've I've had, had the book on book. my shelf for a long time and never read it <laughs> I think I mean I kind of I like Jeff Goldblum I think Ian Malcolm's my favorite character from Jurassic Park But, but, but why but why way. But not as a Well, elite. because he sees everything differently to everyone else. He's the one that that, that kind of while whilst everyone else is running around going, oh, is this amazing. He's the one going, this is going to go bad. This is going to you know, be a shit show. He's being negative. He's you know?
0: being like about everything. He's the one that knows. And, like he's it's been a go wrong. And the fact he, <laughs> the way he's dressed and the like, in the first film. I mean, look, I, I want to start by saying I do like him as a cat. Like, I do like, I think he does play an important role in it and he does, but he's a supporting cast member in that first one. Like yeah. he's probably not in the top three, most important characters, but you know, the way he's dressed in the leather pants and all that is, is quite, quite cool. But I think his character is, he's a bit, he's an outsider. Hmm. You know, he's, he should be single. Ian Malcolm should be single. Yeah, he should yeah. be a shagger. Like, cause that's the character, of the first film. And actually I don't think he should be especially bright, you know, I think in the first film he's brave but stupid and I think that is that is the kind of the character where he's like waving the flare like yeah you're right totally he he needs to be brave, brave in a stupid way so in the second film the fact he's got a girl you know Ian Malcolm shouldn't have a girlfriend Shouldn't have a cleverly brave he should be stupidly brave but that's why he needs to be the foil for someone else i'm getting too i agree this. <laughs> like, no, you're somebody, right. like you're the right. reason i think he's annoying in the first annoying in the first film was like that, that chaos theory stuff and the water you know the flirtation and uh and also don't forget he spends at least half that first book just laid up injured yeah on walkie-talkies with, yeah with, with his chest out looking at a million bucks but he has yeah. got one of the best lines in the first film, which is "That is a great big stinking pile of shit." And
2: <laughs> yeah. he's the he's the life will find a way, which Dave says almost every yeah. every week. Life,
1: <laughs> life, life uh, finds a way. <laughs> That's my answer literally to everything. <laughs> does Does Jurassic Park
2: three make to make the Lost World seem better? Because I think if I watch
0: <laughs> the two of them, I'm like, Lost World isn't that bad. <laughs> I, I think it's got the same thing as kind of robocop where i think i've seen jurassic part three once oh, but i okay. think the second one the second one was so bad that again it just like it defeats your belief in the kind of franchise mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's amazing how like one film can really kill a franchise yeah for like like even ghost but like the, the ghostbusters reboot you're like oh wow you've like you've fucked this like and i think yeah that's probably i can't what happens to jurassic part three i can't even remember it
2: uh a kid gets stuck on an island, on an island, on this island, I think, isn't it? The same island. It is this yeah. island, yeah. So a kid gets abandoned on this island for like eight weeks and manages to survive, and then his incredibly annoying parents turn up, played by Tier Leone and William H Macy, to like go and save him. And it's, it's got Sam Neil stuck Grant. Yeah, back. they managed to rope Sam Neil in to go and help them to. Oh yeah, that's get right. That's why right. kids, and it's just Leone running around going, Ben. <laughs> yeah and the dinosaur's get bigger yeah yeah uh, and it's crap. Sam Neill it's should have been crap. he should have been the lead in the second he should have been the lead I think I think I Sam agree. Neill yeah I think you're right I think Sam Neill would have been better as the lead in this one because he's more it was more Sam Neely kind of scenes wasn't it it was more Ian yeah. Malcolm uh, not Ian Malcolm
0: it's Ian Malcolm doing an impression it's, it's Jeff yeah, Goldman yeah. trying to be Sam Neill yeah basically yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I wonder why Michael, because I think it was Michael Crichton who basically made this decision to bring in Malcolm back. And like, I wonder why. I don't you know because like, there's not much character. Like, it's almost a separate character. It's almost mm. a new character. It doesn't make it doesn't make much sense.
1: I'm not sure. I mean, even cast a new. character. He, he probably enjoyed writing him the best. Yeah, I would say maybe he enjoyed that character when he was writing. He him has the first best line. Disney. Do he? So he if you're a writer, the then you're
2: like, oh, I've written. You know. I wrote the best lines for him, kind of thing. Yeah, doesn't necessarily yeah. mean he's the right character to do this job. I think. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It would have been we'd be talking about a different movie if it had been, if it had been um, Doctor Grant coming back rather than Ian Malcolm. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. you could sort of see Doctor Grant having a relationship and having a kid and you know after oh, yes, the first one totally. that was, that to kind, was of kind of, of like the arc kids of the first and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah didn't want kids yeah and he kind of like begrudgingly likes kids by the end of it you know he's met some kids he actually like gets on with
1: oh that should have been that should have been the, the plot of the 2nd in it like he's had kids now <laughs> yeah it lays it out, doesn't
0: it it softened him up a bit <laughs> and this is the thing about Lost World in what 10 minutes we've come up with a better plot <laughs> how many years did they have <laughs>
1: um four. yeah four years
0: i think they
1: yeah yeah 97 i find the first one was 93 uh, do, I do,
0: think do so. know, um, yeah i think i can tell the story like so some, some of my wife's friends are like uh they are like theater i don't really call them like the theater creatives mm. and they actually worked on the live jurassic park show it's not the exhibition thing you can go to there was actually a show with people playing the dinosaurs oh, right, okay. and they actually wrote the story and they had to get it signed off by spielberg himself he still kind of controls the franchise so they had I to go they is. had to go to LA and have a meeting with him and say this is what we want to do and he was like yeah I love it but 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 that made me think like this conversation is he's he's obviously very protective of that franchise and, and he still has me you know wow if he cares that much why the fuck did lost world happen you know <laughs> he's one of the greatest storytellers how did he fuck this up so bad i don't understand i can
2: understand why lost world happened because you know, like you said, he'd made this movie and he thought it was a shoe in and maybe that's why he's more... He's, he's protective now. What I can't understand mm. is how Jurassic World Dominion happened, if that's the case. <laughs> because that is fucking awful. <laughs> like, <that's>, like,
1: <laughs> that should never have happened. Yeah, that that is a bad, bad... And especially with the original cast coming back. And again, Ian Malcolm's in there, not as a main character again. Good. Uh, I know nothing about dinosaurs. Have you not watched it? I Haven't actually. (laughs) But I didn't know the car to come out. Is it really bad? It's Uh, awful. It's really really bad. I watched.
0: Is that? That's not the one. I watched the one where. I mean, this is such a stupid plot device. They put something on the Velociraptors that basically controlled them. With Chris Pratt. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first one. (laughs) Yeah. Jurassic World. Yeah. And it's like when they control the Velociraptor, you're like, oh my god, this is like so jump in the shot.
1: Hate the last. (laughs)
2: Yeah. The the Jurassic World (laughs) Dominion. Just don't watch it. I think really don't it'll ruin it yeah the best advice is if I mean if you think the lost world is bad it's a masterpiece this
1: this leads on to the next question actually really nicely which is you said earlier that Jurassic Park 3 put you off watching the rest of the the series pretty much is there a, a franchise that you've given up early on but then you came back to or you've given up on the first film but the second film you're like oh that's much better than what it should be I'm trying to think it's a tough one this is a toughie
0: you, oh yeah so yeah the answer to that is that the avengers ones okay right like all right so i try I to do this thing of making sure i have my finger on the pulse of popular culture and uh, although i hadn't seen any of the avengers i haven't really i'm not really into comic book films but that avengers end game film that everybody was losing their mind over i was mm. like i'm gonna sit down and force myself to watch this and although i could tell there were references in it that completely went over my head and that this was part, obviously part of a larger story that i knew nothing of i actually watched avengers endgame and really enjoyed it i was like oh i could wow. see yeah and actually i kind of dismissed that whole franchise and i did enjoy it but um i then calculated like, i'd have to spend 30 hours of my life <laughs> understanding the backstory so I haven't yes, gone back and lot. watched the rest, but Avengers was cinematically, I I kind of got why people are into comic book films and it made it. It made a lot of sense. Is, is it, and I've kind of looked at a bit of the story. It does sound absolutely amazing, but not quite in my wheelhouse. Yeah. So, I got, I got um, criticised last week because so I was actually having a chat with someone and I mentioned that I gave up on the Lord of the Rings trilogy after the first film. And uh, <laughs> and, and uh i was actually in the gym talking to someone and it kind of like rippled through the gym like people started talking about like i've haven't, I haven't seen it like what the fuck what like like we can't talk anymore like like it was people really offended like really like it also like kind of what i like big alpha males were like really kind of pissed <laughs> off that i i would have thought i thought like lord of the rings was like for nerds <laughs> but i've I watched the first i watched the first one and I was just, like, fucking so bored. I went to the cinema for it, and I just, like, I just checked out of it. Wow. But I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and watch watch
1: the second uh, one. You're, you're talking to two people that I think the second one is the best Yeah, one. really? There is a battle in the second so one. So good. Which is, which is the best battle in cinematic history. Really? Okay. See, I mean, there is, a, there is a lot of walking to get to that battle, so you stick There, with is, a there is a strong argument
2: yeah. that Lord of the Rings is basically just a long walk like you know, <laughs> yes three
1: movies is the very first normal. one the worst because i watched it it was like i felt like i, was I would say
0: it real is, time yeah.
1: Like, yeah. but it does a really good job of building the characters and setting the scene in right. the world the I first think, one's very
2: yeah, much the world building stuff okay. and then the story okay. kind of kicks in i think in the second and third ones oh, if, right. yeah if
1: you don't buy into the characters in the first one i think the second one might not be your bag <laughs> <laughs> and the third one Again, um, big battles, yeah. but if you're not into it at that point, then yeah, so... yeah. And be prepared because the
2: third one takes about an hour to end.
1: Like... <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm gonna go with back. Endgame. With Endgame, have you not watched Infinity War like the no. one that sets up Endgame? No, you should just watch that one maybe because oh, really? that really that will make sets... sense.
2: Yeah, don't, don't yeah. yeah, you don't have to go and watch everything before it, but if you watch Infinity War and then Endgame, they kind of Endgame's sort of like Infinity War Part Two basically. They're
0: sort of two halves okay. of the same movie.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. And I think Infinity War is actually better than Endgame mm. in my in my um, head.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it's got. They, that, I mean, yeah. the budgets on those films are just astronomical, and then the returns they're making. You know, I think they're probably the most expensive pieces of art possibly made by humanity. Like they're mm. so you could, visually they're absolutely stunning.
2: Yeah, but then talk about the yeah. talk about the money made. Like Lost World was. The, the budget for lost world was like seventy five million dollars and it made six hundred and eighty million worldwide oh. so you know it's that you can, it it made its money definitely, but yeah, like these crazy, in it
1: like these uh, like yeah, Avengers yeah. endgame made a made over a billion dollars didn't it dave end game yeah, it's the second most highest grossing movie ever What's the most avatar avatar, avatar. avatar keeps overtaking at yeah. the moment so the sequel for Avatar avatar's so. coming out soon isn't it yeah does it
0: need a sequel?
1: No. Do you know, is, well, that over- the is that
0: guitar overrated? Because I, I watched it and I was like, I don't think this is that
1: good. It's very pretty it's Fern Gully. <laughs> yeah. it, it was big when it first came out because 3D, no one had seen anything like it. And you kind of get swept along with that. And it is really good in 3D, but then you, if you watch it at home on your normal TV, you're like, well it's colourful but it's like dancing with wolves kind of yeah, thing yeah. like rich said it's fern gully it's kind of a mixture of stories you've kind of seen before yeah. yeah and i i struggle with the characters of avatar you don't really give a shit about anyone that's my biggest complaint yeah. about it mm. uh it's gonna have like five sequels so it's james cameron's putting his rest of his life into it so it's a wow. bit of a shame
0: yeah blimey well, waste of but time but we have
1: to wait and see because like for, yeah, yeah it's, james cameron's it's such make... a g- like um
0: like I watched it, I got quite into Titanic. I mean, it's a real shame we can't have a conversation about Titanic being a sequel, but sadly, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, James Cameron is like, I didn't really know much about him, but when i really sort of kind of got into Titanic and I watched a lot of documentaries that he'd made about Titanic and kind of like how obsessed he got about it and what a ge- like I really thought, oh, this guy's an absolute genius. I mean, as a personality, I, is, imagine. He's an ab- be a, I wouldn't want to be married to him, but no. he is an absolute genius. And I think like,
1: it makes me a bit sad that he's going to spend the rest of his life making Avatar films. I'm like, do
0: something else, mate.
1: Yeah, I'd love him to do something else. So, what was your dream sequel? So,
0: my dream sequel,
1: I, I think, um, I remember hearing Mark Permode and Simon
0: Mayo discussing once that it's, it's, it's one of the tragedies of kind of cinema that a, a comedy never wins best picture. Mm. Like, for some reason, we've just decided that it's not a, a good art form. But actually, my favorite films are comedy films and almost all my favourite comedy films are written by the Farrelly brothers. So obviously because <laughs> I just, that's exactly my humour, just the dumb shit. And everyone talks about like Dumb and Dumber are the obvious one, something about Mary, but then also yeah. up there for me, Kingpin and
1: King the Heartbreak Kid. And
0: specifically actually the Heartbreak Kid, of probably, of all the Farrelly films, I'd put that Heartbreak Kid second because it is, oh, really? I've ever seen it Oh my. Ben Stiller won, yeah, yeah, Ben Stiller. It is unbelievable it's so silly and so funny it's really good you've got ben stiller in it i'd actually say that is one of the most underrated films in the world but this would be i think for me is the most underrated film ever made me myself and irene you like uh, i think it's better than dumb and dumber is and, wow. and actually the Far- farrelly brothers haven't they've, i think they've only done dumb and dumber two. i think it's the only sequel that they've ever done i might be right yeah, i think
1: so but, i think but, you're uh, right yeah
0: me, myself, and Irene is a classic. It has, and when you and actually, like I was reading, it's got poor reviews. But if you speak to people who have seen Me, myself, and Irene, have you you guys watched, this, we oh, watched yeah, it? We yeah, were yeah, just recently. It finished. is, is it not packed full of incredibly stupid, hilarious moments, and if it's a bit of a road movie. But it's constantly surprising you, like like stupid stuff that's happening, like the character of Whitey who you think has killed his family, which just a backstory because he's quite scared of, like, Jim Carrey. And, like, yeah. this idea that Hank Hank and Charlie, kind of – Jim Carrey obviously plays two characters who are kind of – he's he's having kind of an internal battle uh, where he's been a nice guy all his life. People have been treating him like shit, and he de- develops this alter ego called Hank who actually – just this rude, obnoxious, it basically um, plays like Clint Eastwood style characters. Uh, so you've got like Jim Carrey just doing this wonderful performance, and then, and then Renee Zellwig as the kind of love interest, and uh, and just hilarious plot devices and a brilliant movie. Uh, and uh, yeah, one of the things that really makes me love about the kind of plot twist you don't expect is like towards the end of the film where. Charlie get, grabs the guy's gun. He's like, "No, no, no!" He puts the thumb over the, the gun, <laughs> and he just blows his finger off. Which <sighs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> like, you've, that's a trope you've seen in so many films. <laughs> yeah. This is the genius of it. How many times have you seen the good guy put the hand over the gun and the, the gun just go <laughs> yeah. away? And yeah. like, yeah. the, the whole movie ends they him just blowing his thumb off. <laughs> and then you get that scene after post credits where they're like, they're all in the lake trying to find his thumb. <laughs> <laughs> but um it's just there's so many laugh out loud moments. Another one of those devices is like like when uh, Jim Carrey is uh Charlie and Renee Wiggins character are tra- travelling across the country and he comes across a cow in the road. There's dying that's like on the way out and she's like, <laughs> he's like Oh no, he's still alive are oh, and I have to dispatch it <laughs> <And then laughs> starts shooting the cow again and again <laughs> and runs out of bullets and starts trying to strangle it <laughs> like let go that is such a funny scene but then The callback later on in the film, where the police are like, he shot a cow seven times. Damn things, lucky to be alive. (laughs) How they go, they find a trope that is like something you're used to and completely twist it. Yeah, yeah. Like they do that again. And there's the
2: cow in the credits, isn't there, with like a neck brace on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is like peak Jim Carrey, isn't it? Yeah. At at this point in his career, he's just. Fly the,
0: the, the scene. Whenever I talk to people like me, myself, and Irene, and how much I love it, the scene that always comes up is the cotton mouth scene, which is like a thirty second throwaway, <laughs> yeah. a complete bit of nonsense. <laughs> but there's actually it's quite an important scene because it's like you're realising the cops are corrupt and they're trying to kind of they're trying to frame. I can't, I can't remember Renee's character's name. Irene. Is, but anyway, Irene <laughs> of course. What we're we talking about. What an idiot. <laughs> Just. <laughs> <Fifth and egg>. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's right. Literally, there in the title. <laughs> uh, yeah. But they're trying to frame her, and like, clear there's corruption amongst the cops. And he just makes a comment, oh, these pills give me that cotton mouth. And over 30 seconds, you just see his mouth getting drier and drier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <And> He's cops... <laughs> yeah. just like, see that? That is just, I think that's the best Jim Carrey scene. If any film he does, it is very wow, funny. This, but Irene, Irene, good
2: god! <laughs> I watched. I hadn't watched yeah. it for a long time, and then I watched it kind of in preparation for today. and And I was surprised actually about how well it still stands up. I was fully expecting really? to be like, ah, it doesn't quite work in with today's references and stuff. And there are bits of it that are a bit kind of a bit off, a bit awkward. But you know, it's it it pretty much
0: stands up. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun.
1: I love Jim Carrey. This this point, Jim Carrey is just my
0: favorite. I, I think it might be. I think it's kind of overlooked because Dumb. Every he broke the Farrelly brothers and him really broke with Dumb and Dumber, mm. and I think yeah, Which but, I don't uh, like This film much. sits in its shadow. Yeah, it's not uh, that doesn't really stand up. But when you watch it, I, I maintain me myself and Irene is funnier. And I think because this film is in the, its shadow slightly, it it gets overlooked. But I think this is the film. This is the film of all. I think of all the Farrelly brothers stuff maybe with the exception of the heartbreak kid and kingpin this is the one i want these characters back i want it i want this but this exact film again with all the <laughs> things i like about it because I, I was hoping you wouldn't say to me what would the plot be like, because i have no idea oh well, that was well, the that next, is next question, question. <laughs> <laughs> you're like I, I like i don't know what the plot would be for this film because i just think that but the in the first film the plot's not even really that important it's like A bunch of stuff keeps happening, and it's absolutely bloody hilarious. And it's like the kids, the kid, the kids that he absolutely adores, but clearly aren't his, like being geniuses (laughs) and like, like the the nonsense of Hank and you know, you know, the
1: love interest. Just that, I just want that again. I don't even know how it would work. Well, you have to bring Ray Zellweger back as Irene, wouldn't you? And you'd have to have Jim Carrey. I don't know how it would work either. I was, I've been
2: thinking on this for a while. Um I'm trying to think of like how we could do it and, and I
1: can't. They've got to live a happy life, hopefully. Yeah.
0: They've got to have more kids.
1: Like... Yeah, and something's gonna have to sense them off to bring Hank back. Mm. Yeah. But I don't think but... I want that to happen to Charlie.
2: Like I don't think yeah. he got to such a nice place where he wasn't bottling up all his anger anymore. You don't want him to have to get to a point where he's where he's so disturbed he has to bring hank back
1: <laughs> maybe it's a maybe it's a different personality maybe it's not hank maybe oh. he's refusing to cry uh, or well, something
0: it's been 22 years since the first film right mm. so I, I think what if the renee uh, irene <laughs> irene's character had died so and good that actually he's you know he's uh, mourning okay. her loss but he's got grown-up kids now and actually that her loss has brought back hank right. and that actually oh yes and maybe Hank did something when he was kind of, he's got to go on the run. Okay. But it turns out Hank didn't do anything. What about that?
1: There could always That's be a funny. ghost, Irene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah,
0: but you know that you know, like Jim Carrey and Renee Zellweger started going out after meeting on this film. Oh, did they? and yeah, I've always yeah. thought, yeah, they, they you went could out tell
1: because a... their chemistry. Talking about their chemistry, chemistry is, in the bad is
0: unbelievable. Films, so, but good. also, does that speak to the fact that everyone was having a good time on this film? Because I think that really comes that really comes across. Like you can just tell everyone has great chemistry in this film. And what I love about Farley Brothers' film is that you you see it in this because they're from Rhode Island, where this film is set.
1: Yeah, and there are some. I think all their films are set in Rhode Island, pretty
0: much, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, that yeah, that could be true. Um, yeah. But there's, what I love about Farley Brothers' film, is specifically this one, is like you occasionally get people turn up who are so obviously their mates and not actors. Do you know what I mean? Like the performance. And uh, having just slagged off, like people who have no right acting in films, I, actually, I love that about <laughs> harry Blumberg's films, where it's really clear someone is not an actor, but actually it's quite nice. Like in the same way that I love that scene in Goodfellas where Martin Scorsese's mum plays the character who, it's a really authentic performance, but you can tell it's not an, an actress's, mm-hmm. you know, this is not, it lends something to the film. It makes the film feel friendlier. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the end
2: credits, it has all the people you think oh this is just all their mates isn't it and it, it says oh these are all the people that that were cut out of the movie basically And they're not all cut out they are God, it goes it, on, yeah, it goes on for ages it's all the different names of all the people that are in it and you're like they are all your friends and they're all the people that live <laughs> yeah. around like rhode island <laughs> yeah. where you filmed this aren't they
1: <laughs> yeah would you have liked to release that your sequel now like 2022 or would you have put it like 2010,
0: 2012.
1: That's a good question. Only been pe- Does Farrelly Brothers Humour work now as well, well as it did back in the...
0: I think, do you know what? I think Dumb and Dumber 2 is better than Dumb and Dumber 1. Fuck we- off. Really? Whoa. No.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, listeners.
0: It's kind of nah, more, nah. it's just a, It's probably more. I kind of
1: enjoyed it more. Chris Hewitt from Empire had the same argument and I can't I really did he so oh, we, yeah we were in
0: a, me you're, in, you're in agreement. good company
1: he's he says there's some really good jokes in there but i put dumb and dumber 2 in my worst really ever list i think dumb and dumber is top quality comedy oh, i think I'm not a big there's fan. a joke every 37 how are you not know. jeff daniels and and jim carrey are so good in that film i watch it and just laugh i don't know it's just too much all I think the time me. I just, I don't think in in the second one it doesn't work because the gap and the actors are not I've really never into seen it, and, one. and it, the way it looks, <laughs> I have a problem with the way it looks. Uh, the way
0: it looks because it's a bit too polished, too sh- must have sh- yes, yeah. know yeah, yeah.
1: the first one does have
0: this sheen like it's been recorded on a VHS. You know, it feels like it's dulled, it's so it dulled around, slightly. Like, yeah. Whereas in the second, it is quite like whoa, it's quite shiny, shiny film. Yeah. I don't know the first like I'm not sure the first one stands up that well like. I think it's really good. We have to rewatch it. But when you watch it back, you're like, I don't know. It feels a little bit clunky and it's slow in paces. So I really enjoyed the second one. But To answer your question, I think I'd rather than make myself an Irene sequel now. I just
1: want more, okay. Far-
0: more Farrelly brothers. So they need to increase their output
1: because they're not working. They're not working together anymore. It's just. Are they not? Bobby? No, it's just Bobby. He's done. Green Book was the one that he won an Oscar for the other. Oh yeah, that oh, was year. Peter, not Bobby. I th- oh, I knew it was Bobby. <laughs> yeah,
0: still yeah. So we're getting the Farrelly brothers wrong.
1: And then he's released a, a film recently? Is Rich. Checking I'm looking now. I'm just looking now.
2: Um, so he's got one coming out in 2023 called Straight Man. Oh, no, it's a TV series. That's right. not a... I don't
1: think you said... I'm pretty sure he, he released the film last year again no, or this year. No, didn't look like it. Oh, so they no, never okay. worked
0: again after Dumber Dumber 2?
1: Yeah, that's, that's that, it. Do you think
0: they fell out on
1: it then? I don't know. I think working together as brothers, I, like the Cohen brothers now don't work together. They've broken up, which wow. is bizarre. Wow. I didn't um, know that either. They've just, yeah, they've decided to go away. I don't think they've done anything bad. They just have different ideas and different movies. I don't think Peter wants to make these kind of comedy anymore. He's, well, he's won an Oscar yeah. now for Green Book, so. Yeah. It's, so that I, I mean, it's never going to happen, is it? I think they're. Isn't it sad that like people
0: people still seem to go on these art like really obviously they're talented enough to win win a best picture like they're that good at writing and and creating movies that they just happen to have applied all that to comedic films for the first part of their career and now they've gone on and showed we can make
1: dramatic films and isn't that isn't that the shame of the art form that it's overlooked there's a lot of directors that do that like Adam McKay who did like the Step Brothers he's now come out and making like Vice and The Big Mm Shaw and the the Netflix film Uh, Jay Roach who did the Austin Powers for comedy films he came out and did Bombshell a couple of years ago uh, about the guy the head guy who runs Fox so I think if you start in comedy, you you, serve, you seem it, to be going that way, and that's
0: because I think it, comedy is harder. I yeah. think it's
1: harder to make a really yeah, good comedy film.
0: And 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 this is why I think it's such a shame. It's so overlooked when it comes to award ceremonies and discussions of what the best films are. Because can, comedy films never. I remember Hangover came close to it. Did the Hangover get nominated for it? Like a comedy? I can't remember. Or it was in the picture. I can't remember. It was in the discussion about it, but it never. Of course, it never won it. And it's like these people who are making comedy films have the chop to make great films, and you re- rarely do you see people go the other way. And I think yeah. I think that's the real shame of like comedy films is like it's it's seen as a kind of lesser art form when actually I think it is a higher art form.
1: It is harder to make a decent comedy sequel. Definitely, yeah. they are. Yeah. Hangover. I like Four Hangover Two. Hangover
0: Two was good. No,
1: I haven't watched it recent enough to comment <laughs> on it. But
0: Hangover Two and Three are both fine. I think are both good i mean hangover was really good and hangover two and three are just as good
1: talking about a director that's gone from one to hangover is the guy who did hangover did joker yes uh, uh, yeah. of course there you go mate <laughs> which is you know some people like that film some people don't i don't um, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay I,
0: it's not as good as people think it is joker is it it's yeah. it's phoenix is
2: amazing in it yeah 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 the film, yeah, itself, yeah. The, film the film itself is basically king of comedy and
0: and taxi driver just sort of Stolen, just basically just isn't it? slung Meshed. together. Yeah, and and yeah. he says he kind of did it as an art project that he doesn't want to be in a sequel. Uh, well, they make but surely make he's it done sequel, it with though. one eye of being in the in the universe to be like. Surely you, you oh, that, perform the book. The, vocal... the sequel's yeah, coming. Making, really, they've the sequel.
2: Yeah, it's going to be oh, okay. a musical, and Lady Gaga is going to play Holly Quinn.
0: Are you joking? Nope. Are you joking? Uh, we're no. not. Okay, no. <laughs> 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 That's been the
2: reaction to everyone we've told. <laughs>
0: That sounds so shit. It does, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> Those were Chris Skulls' Unequal Sequels.
1: Lovely choices, Dave. RoboCop 2 as best. Surprise me, Rich. I'm not going to mm. lie to you, because it's not great, is it? I mean, well, it's not bad. <laughs> no, that is that is very true. But
2: it's about what it means to you, though, isn't it? Like that, that you know, is true. If if it was, you know, it it it's these memories that it invokes. We all say that about sequels. Is it's more about what it means to you than anything else. And obviously, RoboCop Two is important to Chris. So yeah, you know, that's that's thing. I mean, I think personally, probably not my favourite sequel, but it's not a bad film we've certainly seen a lot worse
1: oh yeah yeah it's proper violent as well like mm, yeah. i don't know robocop with me just it's not something i connected to when i was young uh i didn't have the like you know, the toys or anything no. or anything like that and i i really i know i mentioned it the episode i really get one and two muddled up a lot i think they're really similar they are very like, similar yeah, the bad guys true. and the plots and stuff um, yeah. but yeah it is fun and it is fun watching it now when you live in today's world and think oh that's actually happened yeah. uh, and stuff like that yeah. um it is it was good though listen to his, his uh, how he watched it and his mum buying into vhs's and stuff and, mm. and like welcome break and stuff um but his worst man he fucking hate Jurassic park 2 <laughs> the lost world the lost world i don't think it's that bad <laughs> he, really, <laughs> hated he really
2: hated it yeah and to be fair you know good reasons for hating it um I, I don't think it's that bad yeah. well it's right, not it's not go. bad
1: compared to some of the others
2: no but, no I mean compared to Jurassic Park then fair enough it is a step down but it still too.
1: has that Spielberginess yes but when you're like an 11 year old boy and you're thinking the world's going to be brilliant and it's going to be wonderful and then you come out of that and it's yeah I guess I honestly I think it ruined his childhood <laughs> the way he went on about it Counseling needed to get over it.
2: Yeah, and talking of talking of counseling, then uh, his dream sequel, Me, Myself and Irene. That's still uh, funny. Still funny. Well, yeah, yeah. Still, I watched when when I rewatched it. I was like, this is a good movie. I remember there are bits on it that haven't aged well. Obviously, Um, it's a fairly (laughs) broad. Yeah, of course, of course, there are bits that haven't aged well, but generally, quite you know, good, good. Decent
1: movie. Ah, oh, I love Jim Carrey films of this era as well. Yeah, yeah. The man's a legend. I'm not sure um, where a sequel's going to go, though. Well, we <laughs> had, we gave it a good attempt. My favourite <laughs> bit of all that conversation is when he forgot the name of Irene, even after mentioning <laughs> what's the film, the woman in me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> that, <laughs> was, uh, that was very make, funny. It still makes me like, laugh. <laughs> Oh, I'm never going to let him forget it either. <laughs> it's great, man. But uh, yeah, you should go check out Chris's, well, obviously check out Chris's podcast, uh, Quickly Kevin. Oh, we love Josh Whitcomb and past guest, Michael Marden. Yeah, um, absolutely. We, I, I, I'm i a, a listener of Quickly Kevin because mm. I'm very much a big fan of 90s football, mainly because it's when Man United won everything. Uh, yeah. And it's my happy period. 1999 is still the greatest year of football ever uh, and now in recent time Man United have not been where they were in the 90s oh well never mind oh dear, yeah, what go a shame to never that. mind it's a great podcast go listen to it it's really funny if you like 90s football 90s stuff really I Music, like 90s film.
2: football a lot more than I like football today so, that's weird know.
1: because you're a Liverpool supporter and now it's going a lot better than it was well, in the 90s well not
2: really I mean if I if I picked a top team it would be Liverpool but I'm kind of more of a Cheltenham town supporter these days. And you're also yeah. a rugby fan as you're sitting there yeah, in the Gloucester. Yeah, I am, yeah, sitting there in my Gloucester rugby top um, because they're playing today. But yeah, no, I'm yeah, not really that into football, to be fair. But 90s football, definitely into 90s football. <laughs> the no- the nostalgia, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. And if you're a Quickly Kevin fan and you've tuned in today to hear Chris and you thought, do you know what? This this movie sequel, this movie sequel podcast is actually pretty good. I might want to listen to more of those. Well you can. We've got loads more episodes for you to get back to listen to. Hit the little subscribe button, hit the auto download button, and we'll drop into your pod player of choice every single week. We have interview episodes, we have rambly extra episodes where me and Dave just talk about stuff movie stuff, obviously not just general stuff. Um and yeah, all that stuff. And if you enjoyed it, then give us a little like. Give us a heart. Give us a five stars. It really helps us to promote the, the podcast. If you really like it and you want to hear a bit more from Chris, then you can join us on Another Slice. It's slice.com forward slash unequal sequel. It's an extra subscription service. Pay $2.99 a month. And we will drop a sequel to every single one of our interview episodes Plus, we've got some bonus trailer breakdowns. We've got some other bonus content coming on there too. There's going to be loads of extra stuff in that extra slice. You're getting it so much for your 2 99 It's crazy. So yeah, go, go ahead and do that. We understand times are tough. Not everyone can do that right now. So if instead you just want to check us out on social media, we're on Twitter at Unequal Sequel and Instagram also at Unequal Sequel. Or you can send us an email, at hotmail.com Let us know what you thought of the podcast. Let us know what you thought about Chris's choices. I know, I'm sure there are people out there who are going to have strong opinions about these choices. So let us know, and we'll read out everything that you let you tell us on our monthly roundup episode.
1: Perfect. I was I Actually, I dozed off for a minute. I'm not going to lie to you there. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks. No, because I just, I, I trust you so much. <laughs> So, You're so
2: dull I fell asleep.
1: No, no, trust. <laughs> Definitely trust. I was thinking about I was thinking about the next step. Anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it. Go do everything that Rich said. Go look at another slice. We've got lots of stuff coming. Uh I've got nothing else to say. You got anything else to say, Rich? No. You're okay, not. it is a Are You From Me? Which is goodbye in Swedish. Apparently. I thought you said hey you from me. No, no. Are you? Are you? Oh okay. Are you, are you? in swedish and goodbye and it is a goodbye from him bye go do some stargazing it's beautiful at night bit foggy though today no it, no it, it is very foggy yeah, especially yeah. where we where we live rich i think it's the most fog it's the most foggiest part of the world do you reckon it is always foggy here. <laughs> when i moved here i hadn't seen anything like it, it it's crazy. like silent hill <laughs> i you.